Sister Christy. The gift of gab. Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to someone who has that gift? <laughs> that was a very cruel way to ask, wasn't it? <laughs> Boy, we starting out with a bang here today, aren't we? Oh, that's fun. How you doing? Little little drizzly. I looked out the window and it looks like a little cloud cover here and there and rain. It's kind of nice and and it's July, so you never know what you're going to get here in Colorado. That's for sure. We'll we'll take it when we can get it. But we are so delighted that you are here today and making a difference in the kingdom. I I look so forward just to the time that we spend together. Some of you are guests who have traveled here. I've already seen several people who have been a part of our family for years and visiting. I saw Dave and Patsy over here and saw some other. Just you guys are amazing and. And just appreciate you guys checking us out when you're here in the summer. Um, hey, we have a special business meeting a week from tonight at 5 o'clock in the East Auditorium about the land that we purchased from the Hunt Club on 200 South Link Lane and Genesis Project. So if you're a voting member, we'd love to have you there. It shouldn't take long. We just want to transfer the land over, and so we need your vote to do that. We have been in a series called Little Big Books, and I think you know why. It's the idea of sometimes a little book has a big impact. And all these little books that we've looked at so far have certainly not disappointed me. Today we're looking at a little book by the name of Jude. Jude. Now it's the second to the last book in the Bible. So if you go to Revelation and go back a page, you'll find Jude. It's a one-page book, 25 verses. It's like, I think, the fourth shortest book in the Bible. Um, if you're curious about that, I think Third John is the shortest, and then Second John, and then Philemon, which we talked about last week, and then Jude. Now, now I've, I've called this healthy warnings because Jude is giving a warning. First of all, who wrote the book of Jude? Right, the Beatles. I, I know that you knew that. You knew that. Hey, hey, Jude, right? Hey, Jude. Yeah, Jude, Jude wrote it. And so I just want to make sure that's clear for some of you ex-hippies in here who are all excited because we're talking about uh, a Beatles song today. Um, how are we warned in our culture? Like, just, just say out a few ways that you get a warning. TV, a warning comes on, a yellow light. What does a yellow light mean? It means step on the gas. Right? Get with it. No, no, that's not true. Well, it might be true. <laughs> but it's, it's basically saying it's about to be red. And so get ready. Uh, pay attention. If you can stop, stop. We have a lot of warnings in our culture. You, you really, I don't know, I've thought a lot about this. Ro- a lot of road sign warnings. Right now in Fort Collins, every road has a ro- road. I mean, it's crazy just trying to get through over here. Um, how many of you get these little things on your phone that pop up and say weather warning or flood warning or, you know, whatever kind of warning, and it beeps and tells you there's something going on? Uh, it's, it's amazing how we get warnings. I, I, here's the question that's going to kind of set the tone for our time together. Now, this is a tough message. It's confrontive. So I just want you to be prepared that Jude's coming after you today, all right? But it's in a good way. It's in a positive way. All these warnings that we have in our life, who is in your life and what are the warnings that you can have in your life that have to do with not the weather or not the roads, but your spiritual life? Is there somebody who can get in your face and say, you have a terrible attitude right now and you will embrace it? 
Is there someone... <laughs> it's so funny to be up here and watch your reactions. <laughs> it's funny how people will be going, ooh. <laughs> like, like, how are you going to receive the warnings when you're slipping off in your spirituality? When suddenly you're getting habits that are not honoring to God? And, and who is there in your life that's going to say, wait a minute, let's talk. This isn't, this isn't quite the you I know. What's going on? We have to release people to speak into our lives. And here's a big deal. It has to be the right people. It really does have to be the right people. So it really does matter. You can't just let anybody speak into your life. This is why Jude is writing this letter. So some of these points are really fast. Number one in your outline, Jude gives uh, a greeting to the believers. He's simply saying hi. Typically when letters are written, uh, the New Testament letters, they are written to one church or to individuals, like last week, Philemon. However, today we're looking at a letter that's written to a group of churches. So the body of Christ. And so Jude is basically generally saying hi to all of them. Verse 1. This letter is from Jude a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. That's interesting. I'll explain it in a minute. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more three things. Mercy, peace, and love. We need those three things in our lives. Now who was Jude? Let's talk about him for a minute. Um, He says... My brother is James. That would be James the Less in Scripture, if you, if you know that stuff. Who else is the brother of Jude? Jesus. Now, it's interesting that Jude doesn't list Jesus as his brother. You know, if it was me, I think I would have said, Dudes, listen up. Jesus is my brother. And he's coming after you if you don't do what I say. Right? No, he's not a name dropper. Most scholars believe that Jude is a pretty humble guy with no arrogance in his life, and he actually doesn't use the name of Jesus as his brother, as more of a sign of his trying to just build a bridge and not overpower anybody with his relationship to the Son of God, which he knows is the Son of God. Think of that. The second thing in your outline is this. Jude is shouting out a warning. Now we're going to start this, we're going to see what happens in the transition in this letter that he's writing. And he's got a lot going on in his brain, and it's important for us to heed this. In verse 3 it says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But I now find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. He is intending to write them a letter that basically says, Hey, how you doing? But he has this urgency, this, I think it's birthed by the Spirit because of his knowledge that he has about what's going on in the churches. There's this, there's an old, there's an old word called the unction of God. Haven't you heard that word before? It just means the, the simple empowerment where God comes on somebody and over someone and the Spirit speaks to them and they have to deliver a message. That's what's happening to Jude. Jude is saying, I was going to say hi, but there's something huge going on in my brain. It would be kind of like if you had someone over for dinner, and you bring the food all out, and you say a blessing, and you're just getting ready to eat, and they look at you and they say, you know, this is really nice of you to have us over for dinner. I'm sure we would have had great conversation, but if you look right over there, your house is on fire. 
And you wouldn't look at them and say, oh, you know what? That, that's happened before. Let's just go ahead and enjoy the meal. Uh, let's not worry about it. No, there's an urgency, and it's a warning. So I just want you to be aware of that as we move through this. Now, I need to say this. If you are checking out the claims of Jesus today at Timberline, you need to hear what I'm about to say to believers. But this message is to believers. Because you are called to a higher standard than non-believers. Because you have crossed the line and you have said, I want to follow Jesus Christ. It means that you have said, I am putting on my life the joy of walking as what Jude calls a slave to Jesus Christ. Someone who is willing to change the behaviors and patterns of my life to be salt on the earth and light in the world. Okay? So keep that in mind as we walk through this. Number three, we must choose the voices we listen to. You guys, every single day of your life, you listen. You put stuff in your brain through video games, TV, radio, music, all types of things that you listen to. Talk shows, workplace, discussions. The things that you put into your brain are going to produce an outcome that will come out in different ways through your brain, through your mouth, through your body. It's just important for you to get that. What you take in, that's what's going to come out. What you put in your heart, that's what's going to come out. And, and, and absolutely Jude knows this, and so he's going to throw a big warning out here. I need to say one other thing. I was A couple weeks ago, I was driving on Horsetooth up on the reservoir road. Not Horsetooth itself, but you know where it goes on the lake. Beautiful. If you haven't driven that, just go take a drive up there. It's gorgeous. Well, I don't know why, but... I just, I just thought for sure that the speed limit up there was 45 miles an hour on that, on that entire reservoir road. I don't know why I had that in my head, and I'm, I'm saying it. As a driver, you are responsible to know the speed limit, right? So I'm, I'm not defensive about it. I, I, was, I was wrong. Well, I'm, I come over this hill, and I see one of those big white cars with the big blue lettering with the lights on top. <laughs> you, when you see a cop, you just hit the brakes, no matter what. You just... <laughs> You're going 10. You know. (laughs) So I immediately look down at my odometer and I'm going like 45. And I'm thinking, good. Great. This is perfect. And I see him and he's sitting there and he's clocking me. I can see the little radar gun. I'm coming down the hill. And, you know, I was kind of gaining speed. Well, I thought if it's 45, 38 is not a big deal. Um, cause I'm within five, you know, probably not going to get a ticket for five or less over, right? Any cops in the house? Am I right? Okay. So talk to me later. All right. Um, so, so I, I'm up to like 48. So his lights come on and I'm thinking, Oh, he wants to say hi or something. I, I pull over, have my stuff ready. I give him all the stuff and He's really nice. I mean, he really is a neat guy. And, and uh, he says, you know, uh, it was interesting clocking you. You were going 45 when you came over the hill. And I knew you saw me. And usually people put on their brakes. And <laughs> he, he said, next time I clocked you, you were going 48. And I said, you know, I figured 45, if that's the speed limit, then, you know, I just didn't want it to be. And he said, well, do you know the speed limit? And I said, I think it's 45. It's he said, it's 35. I said, oh. Okay, then. I said, oh, man. I said, that's, I just told him, that's my responsibility. I get it. I was definitely speeding. 
And uh, I don't know why I thought that. I really don't. And uh, he said, okay, I'll be right back. And I'm like, oh, man. So he comes back and he, you know, takes them forever. What do they do when they're in the car back there? <laughs> they just want you to sweat, right? And so he hands, me, he hands me this ticket and I open it up and right across the top it says, warning. And I was so happy. I hugged him. I was just, <laughs> no, actually, I didn't hug him. He wouldn't let me hug him. But anyway, that's a different story. So, so what Jude is doing is he's saying, I'm going to give you a warning. It doesn't cost you anything. This is free. This is a letter. If you don't heed the warning, you will pay. And, and it's true. Look at verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed, interesting word there, wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. In other words, the grace of God is so great, live how you want, doesn't matter. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. In other words, there are consequences. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them. But left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a what? A warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Wow. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams, that's another interesting thing, live immoral lives, they defy authority, and they scoff supernatural beings. Okay, so we've got to ask the question, what in the world is going on here? How can we make sense? What is the application to us in our lives? First of all, do we need the grace of God? Is it real? We are all sinners saved by grace. There is no one in these rooms today that can say, well, I really haven't done anything wrong. We, we all needed the grace of Jesus Christ. And His grace covers every sin you've ever committed forever. No matter how deep, no matter how much scarring, no matter how much pain in your life, the deepest, darkest pit on the planet, God's grace can pull you out of that and forgive you and you can have a new life. That's the promise of God and it's why we're here. We needed that hope and we have that hope. And we've been rescued by God. Praise God. So we celebrate that. However, we don't walk on the grace of God. And what I mean by that is I can't just stomp on that grace by continuing to live in disobedience to God. There are certain standards that this book has for us to live by. They are warnings. And it's not because God is ticked and wants to take away our fun. A warning is usually given to help you and to keep you from something that's more painful if you don't heed the warning, right? So that's why Jude's taking this on and he's saying, don't listen to these people. Let's talk about these people for a minute. The Bible says they wormed their way in. That's an interesting little word that basically means they were sly, they were conniving, that they came into the body of Christ and they sat among us here at Timberline and they started to tell us that the grace of God is really special over our lives and that we really don't have to worry about our conduct. 
We really don't have to worry about how we live, that God is so great and so gracious, and because of who Jesus is, we don't have to live with accountability. We're special. We're the chosen generation. They go on to say that they worm their way in by by using their influence, by saying things like, we had a dream. (laughs) Now, I've got to talk about this. How many of you have ever had a dream that you know was God-birthed and it impacted your life or your family or something special to you? Okay. I certainly have. I've had three dreams that I know were God-given and, and big revelations to me. One involved the direction of this church. And I, I thought maybe it would happen more often, but it didn't. But, but I'm thankful for the, the one I, I had about this. But I know God uses dreams. But how many of you have had some dreams that you absolutely know were not of God? Yeah. Too much pizza, right? Or something. You wake up and go, good grief, why would I dream that? And then you try to connect it to something that happened. Oh, maybe it was that movie we saw. I don't know what it was. But our brains are just weird sometimes. And so not every dream is from God. Well, these people were coming in and trying to act super spiritual. They were basically coming to the party and saying, look, Pastor, I've had a revelation from God. And in this vision, this dream God gave me, this is what I saw. Now, as a pastor all these years, I've seen, I, I, I won't say I've seen it all, because I know I haven't, but I've seen a lot. And I've had people come and go who basically had a revelation of God for me, and a revelation from God for Timberline. And some of them have been right on and awesome, and if they line up with this book, I'm listening. But some of them don't. And sometimes people use, quote, God told me, and dreams and visions I believe in the supernatural. I believe in spiritual gifts. I do not believe spiritual gifts are dead today. I believe they're very much alive. I've experienced words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I've experienced the gift of faith in my life before. I know there are times when God puts special things on you as a believer that you need in that moment. But these people were coming into the church and hiding behind, quote, their dreams and their vision that God had given them, and it was hurting the church because it was going against the grain of what the church was being called to do. And that's the sign for me, the sign for us. If it doesn't line up with this book and it's just something silly out there that that someone wants us to do, then we don't have to catch that train. They claimed false authority. How do you hold someone accountable for having a dream? Well, pastor, if you don't heed this, this is a dream God gave me. Take it or leave it. And it almost makes it sound like if you leave it, then, then you're not godly. And that you're going against the will of God. That's pressure. That's wrong. And, and I'm, a, I'm a defensive shepherd when it comes to Timberline. I know I am. And, and I can, I'm a pretty passive guy. But I can be aggressive when it comes to false theology that swoops in and tries to teach us bad habits. Your theology matters in your relationship to God. And the minute you start to believe that you can do whatever you want or live however you want to live and still be under the umbrella of the grace of God, that there's never any consequences, you have been deceived. And Jude is putting out this warning saying, pay attention. This is not true. It's not okay. Look, we all have that human nature tendency. I'm going to battle with certain things in my life for the rest of my life. Because I might have a tendency towards something. It's not wrong to be tempted. Some of you worry because you're constantly tempted in certain areas. You always will be on this earth. This isn't heaven, right? So expect a battle. 
get up every day expecting a battle. But that's not fun. I want the peace of God. You will have seasons of the peace of God. But if you expect a battle, you won't be disappointed and you won't be caught off guard. Because you're going to have to keep your heart right. You're going to have to guard the purities of your mind. You're going to have to learn a culture. You can find what you want. And it's, it's getting pretty depraved. You worried about our culture. You know, pray for our nation. Pray for what, what's going on. God needs to help us. We need to walk in the purity that God has. Um, the discipline of the believer is a very powerful thing. And that's why the bar is up. It's a little higher for those of us who say we're people of faith. And I don't hold other people to that standard that I hold myself to. If they don't claim the claims of Jesus, then I expect them to walk in sin. And I hope that that sin will someday turn the light on in their life, that there is a higher road and there is a better way. And they can have the hope that I have and I share with the Lord. So there's a a willingness to address issues in my life. That's what I'm asking you today. Are you willing to address issues in your life that you know stomp on the grace of God? And this isn't condemning. It isn't to put guilt on you. It's to hopefully call you forward. And Jude says, I've got to warn you. Okay, let's talk about these analogies because he just goes off like a poet. Number four, what is the common ground for all these analogies? He gives, I don't know, six or so. It's, (laughs) I want you to see if you can see common ground. I think I've listed all of them in your notes so you don't have to write them down. They're all there, but let me read it. Verse 12. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. And it's like, like, I don't know why it tickles me. Jude, he he like turns into this poet like he's going to think of some more. You know, he just, all of a sudden he just starts thinking of all these metaphors. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead. They bear no fruit and they've been pulled up by their roots. They are like wild waves of the sea churning up foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever in blackest darkness. What is he, what is he doing? What, what's the point? When you look at those, just look at them in your notes. Dangerous reefs, shameless shepherds, rainless clouds, dead trees, wild waves, wandering stars. What's, what's the connection? Any thoughts? There's some, there's no similarities when it comes to they're all sky analogies. They're all earth analogies. They're all, they're, there's not any connection. The only connection that I, I had possible connections in your notes there, just jot this down. They have the appearance of something good only to disappoint. It's almost like what Jude is saying here is, you know, a shepherd is supposed to be a really good thing. But this is a shameless shepherd who doesn't protect the sheep. Rain is supposed to help wonderful crops to grow on the earth, especially in the day this is being written. They didn't have sprinkler systems, right? And so you see the clouds, you're going, yay, good, we're going to get a nice rain, we're going to be able to eat, and no rain. So you're disappointed again, you know, dead trees that don't have fruit, you're hoping there's fruit, there's no fruit. Wandering stars, it's just blackness. So there's this hope, and and I started thinking about this, and I think that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to put something out there that you run after. You chase it. You are, you are marked by it. You are possessed by it. i got to make more money. i got to go after this. i got to buy that. i got to have that. I need that job. I need that wife. I need that husband. I need that relationship. Only to disappoint. 
It's like, oh, man, is there anything that doesn't leave me empty? And so you just keep chasing and keep chasing and keep chasing. I'm watching people all over the world chasing, 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 chasing. And it leaves them empty. I just, I just hope that we won't strive for something that brings no fulfillment. But instead I can surrender myself and I can heed the warning of Jude and say, Okay, God, show me where I'm really at. And that's where number five is. Just a question. How do we become so self-centered? What happens to us to bite the hook? That I need this, I deserve this. Mine, mine, mine. Look at verse 16. Now, he's going to categorize these people in a pretty big way. These people, the ones he's talking about, are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. And then he shifts gears. You, my dear friends, must remember that the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ said, they told you that in the last times there would be scoffers, those Scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. So they're teaching a theology that they want to be is true. They hope it would be true, but it isn't. And it's finding the easiest path of least resistance. And that's our default, almost all of us. And we get it naturally, clear back to Eve in the garden. Think about it, you guys. Think about it. God says, look at all this fruit. Man, help yourself. I, I built this place for you. Just this one tree here, don't mess with that one. That one? Really? It's like, why? Why that one? Why am I attracted to this? You ever asked that question? Why am I tempted by this? Why do I want this? Why am I going after this? I don't need it. I don't want it. When you have sane moments, you can't believe yourself when you don't have that sanity in your thinking. Oh, it's frustrating. That old human nature, it creeps up. Here's the question I want to just put out there. What is the wake that you leave behind you? Is it discord, strife? When you leave the room at the company, the business, the family... When you walk in, what happens? You know, I have a, a few people in my life that I always invite to just about everything I want to do. But you know why? Because every time they're there, they make it better. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a party or a work session, their presence just makes it, makes it a better experience. And I think that's the people of light. That's the people of salt on the earth. If we can leave that wake, not leave a wake like, like these guys did, discord, strife, uh, complaining, I started to, to do this for me in, in building this message. Could I write down the name of someone who can get in my face? Now, if I say who, who can hold you to, to being accountable. Um, if you're married, the first person you probably think of as well, my spouse sure does. <laughs> that's good. But it may not always be the best person either. Because if that's the only one, then it just becomes like, it feels like nagging. We good? But if, if, we, if we let someone else, including our spouse, if you're single, you've got to work a little harder because you have opportunity for getting away with it even more. If you live alone, especially. So where is the accountability built into your life to say, look, I don't trust myself. 
You say, well, that isn't a very nice thing to say. Why can't you trust yourself? Well, because you know your history. So if you have a pattern that needs to be broken, you're going to have to bring someone else into the pattern that hasn't been there before, right? Makes sense. So don't be afraid, you guys, to, to branch out a little bit in the next week or month. Get the right person, though. This has to be someone you really love and believe in. And they love you, and they're not just looking to catch you. Because that doesn't work. But I put here's what I put down. My attitudes, behaviors, patterns, habits, and my lifestyle. Like, how much pleasure do you need? How much recreation do you... How many toys do you need? How much money do you need? How, what are your friendships? Where do you spend your time? Just, just someone to say, look at your life. Pay attention to these things. They matter. Number six. You were worried about if we're going to make it, huh? Last week, remember I told you I was going to do three points? Keep it simple. Sorry. Just couldn't. The church must remain others-focused. This is, could be the most important thing I say. You guys... At Timberline, thank you for not getting ingrown and just caring only about you. Our mission is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our website statement. That's our motto. That's the mission we have as a church. And that's about others, not about us. And you're living that out. Let me read it. But you, my dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Think of that. Look at this. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. This is to us. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. See, that's, that's a righteous indignation. I don't, I don't, actually, I have a lot of reasons for this, but I'm not crazy about the phrase, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Because people who are trapped in sin are connected to their sin. And hate is a really powerful word. But love is also a powerful word. We as a church are called to love people wherever they are, regardless of their sin. And to get them in a journey with God and let God clean them up. You can't clean anybody up. Every church has what I call the holiness police. And there's a few people at Timberline that, boy, their job. I get the email. You wouldn't believe what I saw this week, Pastor Derek. And what they were wearing was just not godly. And I told them. I, I, I definitely want to say it's imperative For us to pay attention that we are not called to be the holiness police. That's the work of the Spirit in people's lives as He renews our minds. Not everyone is as mature as you. I I have a good friend who pastors a great church in San Jose, California, who was out last weekend just to see Timberline in action and kind of spend a weekend. He came to all the services. And I told him, I said, Brett, I want you to just walk around, go anywhere you want to go, start outside in the parking lot, park way out, do whatever. I want you to find out everything there is to find out about Timberline as a guest. It was so fun. I wish it could have been me dressed up. And we went to lunch afterwards and I said, all right, tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just need to know. And he said, there's there's no ugly. And there's really no bad, dearie. Which I know we, we don't always get it right, so don't think this is arrogance. 
you guys are amazing. And I'm really, this isn't flattery. I'm really telling you, I, I thank God for you because his experience was over the top. He said, I walked in the nursery area. People asked me if I had kids, if, if I needed help. He went to guest services. People randomly said hi to him in the hall. He just went on and on and on. And people saw him taking some literature off the walls, asked if he's new. Just, just conversations. And I just want to say, let's never lose that. Let's keep in mind that, that for some people today, right here, it's their first time to ever be in this facility. And they're going to walk out of here in a few minutes and they're going to have an opinion. And will it be, I felt the presence of God? Or will it be somebody judged me by their glance? And that's why Jude gives us this warning. We are called to be the people of God. And that's why we want to keep our hearts right and our eyes in the right place and our spirit right. But it's also why we want to love people and encourage them forward in the name of Jesus. Last thing, it's simply a benediction. I'm going to read it and we're going to pray. This is a glorious benediction. It's known all over the world and stated all over the world. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God. Our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Let's pray. What a powerful statement, Lord. Thank you for Jude. Thank you for this brother who cared about the church. Thank you for his passion and his honesty, his confrontation. Thank you that he didn't shrink back from giving the challenge. We don't want to either, Lord. I don't want to shrink back. We just start today, Lord, by saying we're your kids. You love us. We're family. And if we have family business to do, we need you to put it in our hearts. With heads bowed, I'm just... I don't think I want you to even raise your hand to this this weekend. I just want you to chew on it and put it in your heart. The stuff in your lifestyle that tramples on the grace of God. It's, it's just that edge. It's that line that you cross over and over and over again and you say, I need help. You know you need help. And it's, it's hard to, to be accountable and to live with accountability because no one knows what's going on in your mind. But you are of your own free will saying, God, I want to live accountable. I don't want to hide it. Even if you could hide it, you don't want to. And that's, that's that place of vulnerability, you guys, that God, that's when God can really work in us. That's when the power of the Spirit can actually help us to be overcomers. Because I recognize my weakness and my tendency, and I'm going to live every day as though I could fail, but I'm going to trust God not to, and I'm not going to just trample on the grace of God. So find that place and take it to God right now. Lord, we offer, I offer, we offer as a church these places that are vulnerable in our lives, the places of risk where we know we're tempted day after day. And I just ask you to, to show us how to be mindful of this, how to share it with others, how to be sensitive. Let us find that person who, who we can talk to about these things that are real in our lives. 
Secondly, I'm, I'm just going to ask you if you need to be a better friend to somebody. Maybe you can be that partner they're looking for. And you can graciously love them through the battles in their life. Who might that be? Maybe God will reveal it to you. It's probably going to be an invitation that comes to you, not a mandate from you to them. But that's all right. Just be prayerful. Lord, how can I help this situation? Lord, how can I help steer my children or grandkids? How, how can I help speak into the lives of other people with the permission they've given me? And not crossing those boundaries. Some of you need that. Some of you are going to offer your friendship at a new level to people. And it's going to change their life. Because God's going to help you to make a difference in them. Lord, finally, we just say, if there's anyone in this room separated from you, because of their own doing, the sinful nature, but they're just aware today that they're not following you, I ask you right now to touch their heart. Just pray this prayer with me if that's you. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. Strengthen my life. I confess my sin to you, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. Say it from your heart. Amen. We give you praise, Lord. In your precious name. And everyone said amen. <laughs> amen. Thanks to Jude, huh? Love you guys. I'm proud of you. Thank you. His name is great and his work is amazing. And let him work in your life today. As they come, it's just a reminder that if you would like to connect with someone in prayer, just come on up here and let us do that. It's a great way to just seal some things that you feel like God has put in your heart. If you've accepted Christ, we have a packet we'd love to put in your hand with a great book about Christianity, some other information about classes that you might want to attend. So let us do that with you. You guys, thank you for who you are and who you're becoming. Let's continue this journey with God and let's always say yes to the mandate that's on our lives. And let's do it by saying together, the service starts now. God bless you. I love you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being here.